Welcome to MTG Evolving Wild. My name's Mark. I'm Cody. Ron coming in. And today we're going to be talking about the standard format, what it's been since we started playing Magic, how it's changed in the meantime, and what it's going to look like in the future. I think uh, we should probably start with what standard is for people who don't know. So... For people who don't know, Standard is a 60-card format involving sets from the last, now three years, actually. This is a very recent change that was just made. We'll get to that later. Um, playing uh, only those sets that came out in, in that time period. And you can have four of each card in a Standard deck, Whereas in Commander, the format we usually play, you can only have one of each. Right. And, I mean, yeah, uh, I don't know. Are we missing any other... 15-card sideboard. 15-card sideboard. And, yeah, right. the main kind of feature of it to to kind of have a new and fresh format is that there would be sets that rotated in and sets that rotated out. Um, and I, that happens once a year. But then... The sets that would rotate out would be in a two-year time span. Right. So sets would be in standard for two years before rotating out. Right. And one big thing about standard is, you know, kind of as the name implies, uh, it's sort of meant to be, or at one point it was, the main format of playing Magic the Gathering. This was supposed to be the most accessible and main way cards were designed and uh, players were intended to play the game. Yeah, um, we hear a lot of stories about how people used to play at uh, Friday Night Magic events. They used to play Standard, or that would be a feature. And uh, nowadays, it's hard for, you know, even in an area where we live where there's a lot of magic going on, like finding any kind of Standard event, Standard tournament is... In paper, at least. In paper, yeah, is extremely difficult. Uh I was looking into one the other day that was like kind of a lead. And then that kind of turned into like, oh, we don't really do standard events. We just uh, offer that, but no one really comes in for it. Um, whereas commander nights anywhere, everywhere will be filled to the brim. Absolutely. It's, I remember the last commander night we went to, it was wall to wall really wow players yeah it was tons yeah i mean i don't know it just commander has really skyrocketed as the new main format now so it's kind of interesting to sort of take a deep dive and sort of think like all right like how how would it be to get into what technically is supposed to be the main format uh during a time where it's not really the main format i know believe it or not there was a time before commander and like standard (laughs) and modern were i think the main formats that were played and uh yeah to 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 see what those are today is really interesting very i'm sure very different than what they were in the past because of some things we're going to get into, but um, still really interesting formats. And uh, I know we've kind of tried to build some standard decks recently, even to just play them against each other and see what the format's like. And uh, that's been an exciting process. And I think Cody's almost done with his mono blue deck. Just so close. I'm like five cards away. (laughs) I've got my mono red deck all ready to go. So we're we're about ready to try it in paper. Um, 
I think before we could get, we get into it, we should probably talk about like what kind of experience we've all had with standard. I know it's like kind of limited for some of us, but what are your guys' experience? Yeah, no, with- no pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> uh, truthfully, I have not had really any experience with standard up until trying to build this deck that uh, I, I'm like five cards away from. <laughs> so close, Cody. <laughs> I'm so close. And I, I just have to try a couple more of the uh, LGSs around here. Dude, uh, I, I already got you like three of them. We talked about this. I one. know. <laughs> it's those other two that I'm <laughs> going to struggle with. I think I have a spare consider or two jingling around somewhere. <laughs> well, anyways, your standard deck's coming along. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited for it to finally come together. Yeah, man. And then what about you, Ron? Uh, I don't really play standard. Uh, <laughs> not um, out of any sort of malice or anything, but I don't know. It, um, the format never really appealed to me. And as a player who got into Magic the Gathering through Commander and the whole appeal of you get to build around this legendary creature and eternal formats and uh, very sort of creative and self-expressionistic deck building, um, standard hasn't really appealed to me because it always kind of felt like, oh, if this is going to be some kind of format where I'm going to find a deck I really like, spend a whole bunch of money on it, and then it's going to rotate out in a little bit. And, you know, now I'm going to have to either break the deck apart or build something that I didn't necessarily want it to be. Uh, it didn't really sound appealing. However, as I've been sort of getting a little bit more into commander and although I'm not an arena player either, I'm not a fan of that either. Um, I do sort of see the appeal of, 60 card uh, limited deck yeah. building and I think really that there's a lot of fun to be had and I think with some of the changes going on you know I'm getting a lot more curious and interested to get into it so I guess maybe we're kind of like the steps up where it's like I'm like thinking about getting into it Cody is getting into it and then Mark seems uh <laughs> yeah I've played a lot of standard on arena so mainly digital which was the format i got introduced to magic but um yeah like a lot of just mono red like what's it called uh just mono red aggro type of decks aggro burn yeah just 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 little guys like going (laughs) in and uh that i've i've had i've played standard through a number of uh formats or a number of sets i guess like when i played when eldraine was still in so i was getting to play that really fun ember cleave standard where it was like all right turn three can i swing in two open mana boom done i win the game ember cleave was fun oh my god until you get elked (laughs) (laughs) elk wasn't that 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 card wasn't too because I think it was already banned. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> right. Oko, good point, good point. But yeah, I've played a lot of uh, kind of like I haven't had a full experience of standard because it's mainly just been like the one deck that I've been able to afford with my wild cards on Arena. But I've gotten to kind of taste a little bit of it, like just that one type of deck and how that kind of moves in standard. And honestly, I, 
I think that if there's not a mono red aggro deck in standard, I'm probably not playing standard. <laughs> I mean, that's valid. If there's ever a point where there is no mono red aggro deck, I think something fundamentally deep down went really wrong with Wizard of the Coast R and D. At least like <laughs> tier two, like make it a bad. Oh well, depending aggro. on like how high the tier is, that's a whole other question. I mean, if you want a bad mono red deck, I could build you. <laughs> <laughs> no we, but, have, we have popper for good mono red <laughs> yeah and uh, exactly but um but no standard still has that aspect of it and so i put that together and got a lot of games in but um i i really started playing around that uh l drain time and uh noticed a few things right off the bat that like there were you know new sets coming out um, the one I'm thinking of really is like when Strixhaven came out, I was mm. playing standard and none of the cards were really like used in standard. There might've been two or three cards from Strixhaven's release that got used in standard. But aside from that, it was all like, I mean, not all, but a lot, a lot of Eldraine stuff. Like, I feel like that's kind of par for the course with standard is that there's like one maybe two sets where you're getting like 80 percent of the card pool that you're mm-hmm. for the deck that you're using and then you get like a couple cards here and there where it's like okay cool this fits in really nicely you know and you're making those changes and i i think that's kind of the appeal to it is that you just have to like kind of get in on the uh sets that are the good ones and then just fill in with the new stuff that comes out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we really started getting into magic around that. I guess that time when a lot of people would consider standard to be an unplayable or not very fun or a broken for one reason or another format. Mm-hmm. Um, I think some of that still carries over today, but I know that's something we kind of wanted to discuss is like, we never, I mean, we, we've kind of existed in magic, like as players post when standard got not good, according to some people or a lot most of people, people yeah, accordingly. People. Yeah. You know, it's, it's never the format that I uh, heard much about, you know, and at the time, even though I mostly mained commander or only played commander, um, I still knew of other formats, but standard was like, huh, what? There's a main format to magic and it's not commander. What? <laughs> like, 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 but unironically, you know, <laughs> as a new player, it was wild to me that this main format of commander was in such a weird state. And so, yeah, but I'm excited to get more into it. I know it, it, you know, there was a, a lot of problems with, I think, well, one of the things was like bannings and like mm-hmm. how, how powerful really they made Eldraine and sets around it. Right, like we mentioned the card Oko, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> Thief of Crowns, and I actually have uh, the card pulled up here so we can kind of take a look and break down its stat lines to see exactly what we're talking about. Uh, it is a Planeswalker, uh, cost of one colorless, one green, and one blue mana, and uh, he has four loyalty counters. You can plus two him to create a food token, 
uh, you can plus one him to give a target artifact or creature, or sorry, to make them lose all their abilities and turns them into a green elk creature with base power and toughness 3-3, or you can minus five him to exchange control of target artifact or creature you control and target creature and opponent controls with power three or less. That's a, that's a lot of stuff. Yeah, and... <laughs> For standard for a format that's not supposed to be very overly um or you know there's there's some level of balance to it it's not like the best cards ever in all of magic's history it's just like this, this limited is, card pool this is still a very strong well, card regardless. this card itself may be among some of the yeah. most powerful cards in magic history and the design it's hard to say how how much of it was done on purpose, but there's no question that, you know, some of the most powerful cards in Magic in when Alpha was printed, when the really early sets were printed, those were like almost accidents or like the game was in a different state then than it is now. Mm-hmm. There there was more intention to how powerful they made a card like Oko in in a you know, when was it? 2019? Yeah, October um, 2019. Yeah, there was way more intention to making that card crazy busted. They might not have not known exactly how powerful it was going to be, but they knew, you know, it wasn't, nobody was going to like not be using it. Right. Apparently. I mean, <laughs> like, I, I think really just that plus one is just yeah. so incredibly strong. And the fact that it is a plus, you get to rem- basically remove uh, artifact or a creature on your opponent's board each turn at no cost to you. And remind me, this is a three mana planeswalker. This three is drop. a three mana planeswalker. Yeah. One colorless, green and blue. So it comes down on three. Has a big booty of four loyalty counters, which you can plus one him immediately. Yeah. So that's five Jeez. loyalty counters. And it removes uh, your creature. Or artifact. Yes. And next turn, you could even ult him. Because his ult is a minus five. Yeah. Um, Oko is... Like, there are tweaks that people could do. Like, obviously, turning the second plus one of making the... Or into the a ult, minus one? Sure. Into even a minus one. Like, making the ult uh, higher up. Maybe starting with less loyalty. There's a bunch of shit that you could do to, like, change that. But it's, you know, the the level they pushed it to is just so unbelievable. Like, three mana to just have, like, every turn, repeatable removal in standard in a pretty, like, wide range of targets, you know? Like, yeah. And in a format where you can run four of them. I I will say, the only thing, like, the only kind of, like, like, I'm trying to just play devil's advocate here, like, I guess if you're looking at it from a limited sort of standpoint, um, you can say that, oh, well, he doesn't actually remove the permanents, he turns them into an elk, and theoretically, that elk can attack the Oko eventually. Yeah, but you can just gain control of that elk. That's true, but it's a minus five, and, and it's pretty, you gotta build up some loyalty for that, but... To be fair, if you're <laughs> taking multiple turns and you have some kind of creatures on board, which you probably do if you're playing green-blue. Well, it's also, it comes down on three. So on yeah. one, on two, you're probably playing something slow and small to the ground, yeah. which now is a body to put in front to prevent any damage coming in at him. That's true. That's true. And I didn't even think about it. You could theoretically plus one your own creature if you want to make a little guy a bigger guy. Yeah, you can <laughs> absolutely do that. 
Yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, you can even turn the food. You can animate the food that he creates as well. You can plus to him to make the food token. And then you could plus one that food token to make it a three, three elk. Yeah, you could. And it wouldn't have summoning sickness if you made the food token on the turn before. You could also plus two to make the food token. Then on the next turn, you can ultimate give somebody a food token and take whatever you want. I think, right? Yeah. No, yeah. you can do that. Yeah. yeah. Exchange control, target artifact or creature you control and target creature and opponent controls with power three or less. So, yeah. So you can take... It has to take it has to take a creature with power three or less. You can take most likely something that they have played by turn three. Yeah. Like, like power three or less is not too hard of a criteria to meet, especially in the early turns of when this card is being played. Yeah. yeah. So... Oko is just one of a few different kind of of these like really pushed cards. Um, as much as I love Embercleave, mm-hmm. that card um, is also kind of crazy when you think about it in a standard environment. Um, I think it's like based on the number of creatures you're attacking with, it costs one less. Yeah, here, I got it. So it's an artifact equipment. Uh, So the cost is four colorless and two red. It's legendary, and it has flash, and which means you can cast it at any point you can cast an instant. And uh, this says this spell costs one less to cast for each attacking creature you control, and when it enters the battlefield, you can instantly attach it to a target creature you control, bypassing the equip cost. And the equipped creature gets plus one, plus one, and double strike and trample. And if you do need to equip it, uh, you, it has an equip cost of three. Yeah, um, that is incredible because you could like fake having an ember cleave and psych people out especially if Embercleave's like as oppressive as it was when it was in standard. But usually like people can't really do much about it. Like on turn three, you can play it on curve if you've cast a creature every turn before that. Well, at least if those creatures can attack. But mm. usually it's like turn three or four. If you have Embercleave, you're just winning because something's coming in and trample and double strike just makes it so like... The creature's protected almost because it has double strike. The creature deals all the damage on both hits because of trample. Yeah. It has flash. So, like, if you swing with enough creatures, you can... Two red. Cost two mana. No, yeah. Well, not only that, but you can equip it uh, right away to an unblocked creature. Exactly. That's, That's the other thing is, like, if they had, like one beefy blocker and you had three things swinging in i mean it doesn't matter like you can't block all three of them if you block the biggest one embercleave's still going on the little one you know yeah it's it's and it's a great card i mean i it still sees play in some commander decks i know i play it in one of my commander decks my uh boros equipment deck and it's it's just a very cool fun strong card but i can definitely see how it would break a limited format it's Really good. And another one I'm thinking specifically from Eldraine is uh, the Great Henge. Mm. Um, another oh God, just it's like. so good. It's, re- it's getting reprinted, thankfully. <sighs> Thank God. It's like a $60 card, and it's just so good. I think it's coming out in a Commander pre-con, but anyways. It's a 9-mana legendary artifact, 7 and 2 green. 
but it costs X less to cast, where X is the greatest power among creatures you control. So if you're playing green stompy stuff and you have a seven power creature, costs two green mana, comes down and you can tap it to add two green mana. And on top of that, you gain two life from the tap. So two green mana to make a two green mana and gain two life. And then whenever a non-token creature enters the battlefield under your control, put a plus one plus one counter on it and draw a card. Like that's a that's an engine, a payoff, and ramp all in its own. Sometimes I forget about how good that card is because there's just so many words. Like there's so many <laughs> things it does. Like yeah, and each one is like, oh, okay. Like yeah, that that's another one from. It's Elgin, honestly yeah. like the most color uh, the pie breaking green card I can think of off the top of my head. I mean, it ramps. Ramping is pretty green. 1-1 one, one counters are pretty green. Uh, caring about power and toughness is green. Um, it feels. I think it feels very green. I, I think uh, it's a lot of... It's drawing you a card every time a creature enters. I mean, it's creature-based card that draw is effects. That green. is a green thing. Like Beast Whisperer effects. That, that, that's a pretty green thing. Also not like... a. Drawing cards is not a green effect. <laughs> so there are a number of cards. Green gets everything, don't you know that? Yeah, clear, except for creature removal. <laughs> uh, it fights. You just cast a big boy and you fight. That's creature removal. Yeah, it also does have some creature removal. But bottom line being that like these are some of the outstanding cards in the set. Um, by no means is that all of them. Like There are tons of cards that are extremely good from this set that are like questing beasts just curious in that uh embercleave mono red deck were you playing seven dwarves no ah uh, it seems like it's like such a perfect fit. like a you can run seven of them no I'll, um but they also get plus one plus one for each do- other dwarf that you have i'll tell you what it was running was uh this card robber of the rich uh, um i know the card yeah reach okay here's another uh, Maybe not as busted as some of the ones we mentioned, but in standard was like such a good card. And when it was in standard, I think it was like a $15 card. Yeah. Now it's like down to like two bucks, but it's two mana for a two, two with reach with haste. So already we're doing good <laughs> when it attacks, doesn't even have to deal combat damage. If defending player has more cards in hand than you exile, the top card of their library during, during any turn you attacked with a rogue, you can cast that card and you may spend mana as though it were any mana of any color to cast that spell. So oh my God. so good. It is yeah. really good. It's like you can get access to that card on later turns. Um, and again, four robbers of the rich in the deck so you just keep going in exiling cards off the top taking away their land drop taking away their removal using it for yourself because you can use any color to cast it like running those uh running a bone crusher giant because it was like a -hmm. lightning strike but also attached to a body Mm -hmm. like and uh, and now we get lightning strike in standard, but no body attached to it. Um, so much better. No body. <laughs> but like this wasn't only a problem in Eldraine. Um, in the same like year or in early 2020, I guess, Ikoria came out too. And the same chunk of standard uh, releases 
in between the core sets. Uh, let's see here. Next one was... Theros. Yeah, Theros Beyond Death. Um, and then, yep, Ikoria came out April of 2020. And there are some cards in Ikoria that got released in Equally standard. busted. <laughs> that, yeah, needed like to be fixed right away before they almost before they even got into the format or like really early on into their uh, entry into the format uh the companion cycle yes yeah immediately upon launch that they were so good that like they had to make them worse and they didn't even have i mean like the cards were out they said one thing but the rules were a completely different thing because they changed the rules after they came out to make them worse because yeah they they just were too good you just had an extra extra creature in a standard deck where in commander i think the reason they give you an extra creature or to have that one creature you can always go to is because you only have one of each other card like you don't really have as much consistency as running a standard deck where you get four of the same card a bunch of different times Mm -hmm. so it's like combining the consistency of having a commander with a format where you already have all these crazy cards it's just like an extra card you get to cast whenever you want if you don't have anything good enough to play otherwise yeah it's it's a significant advantage against whoever else you're playing and and again and like some companions you know like yorion comes to mind really don't even have a strict uh, requirement to be your companion well it needed a uh, like 20 more cards in commander he's not legal to be your uh companion but in you know other formats yorion has seen a lot of it wasn't he recently banned in modern uh yes or was it pioneer I pioneer, pioneer I think it might have been banned. both but i i know but uh, I, oh sorry i didn't mean to interrupt but i was actually just flipping through some of the cards from eldraine and Combine that with your like they Charming Prince came out in um, oh yeah that's... in Eldraine, which has a flicker effect, which when you combine it with Yorion, which also has a flicker effect, you now have these loops that you're doing that yeah every single turn on your turn and your opponent's turn, uh, you will get to get all of your enters the battlefield effects and untap potentially your land oh you're not your land but like your non-land permanence do we even need to talk about how insane luris was not just oh. in standard <laughs> but in so many formats and everything that's come since luris has also just seen a ban fairly yeah. recently so to to be more specific about what happened with the um companions they got nerfed from just basically essentially starting in your hand and being able to cast them for their mana cost to now you have to pay two mana in order to put them into your hand to then be able to cast them. Mm-hmm. Um, that didn't stop Luris from being absolutely devastating and modern and making it so that, what, like a bunch of decks were now just running one and two drop creatures just to play Luris. And not even because Luris's restriction is all the creatures need to have, uh, I want to say, less than three CMC. Something I think it's two or less. Yeah, two or less. I think that's the exact wording is two or less. Um, so like two or less, you're right. That in modern, that was just making it so people were like, oh, this is a three drop, so I'm not going to run it because I'm running Luris. And like, wow, like it was that oppressive that it was just like, oh, you're playing 
with black or white and like you're running <laughs> something above a three drop no like that's how many cards it was shutting down like that design space was so busted in that way i know they were trying to kind of make something like commander or get the commander crowd into standard Right, but it seems funny because, you know, kind of jumping forward, it seems like uh, Commander players did end up sort of being Wizards of the Coast target audience with a lot of sets, but that did start to seep into uh, Standard as well. Yeah, um, I think people, or like Wizards was absolutely making decks, or sorry, sets, based around Commander players and what Commander players would want to get. So I know back in the day, like, I want to say maybe your average standard set would have like four, five legendary creatures, maybe if that sometimes there'd be like a planeswalker or two here and there. Um, Your standard average standard set now probably has at least 20 legendary creatures, like a few different cycles of legendary creatures. Um, Well, okay, so there's... I, th- I think you see that there's a lot less of the legendary creatures in the standard cycles, like depending on which decks are being played. Um, I can think of a couple decks that run a lot of them. But in, in the yeah. actual set releases, like how many legendary oh, creatures Oh, are... you're, you're talking about like the set... Yeah, the, the set list. Oh, yeah. okay. I'm sorry. I, I thought we were talking about decks. Um, no. God, I think over the last three years, there's something like 80% of all legendary creatures have been printed. Yeah. And part of that has to do with the fact that they're just throwing legendary creatures into standard. Uh, Cards that are, oh, incredible commanders, like you could make, you know, amazing, cool, weird, one-of-a-kind decks with, or they're the best new thing to make this type of archetype with. But they're putting them in standard products where they don't really see play. They don't really do much. They kind of just are worse off for being legendary because if you have two of them on the field at the same time, they go away. (laughs) You got to sacrifice one of them. Yeah. So, you know, the fact that they're making more of these legendary creatures directly affects how standard is played, what decks are used, what cards are used in those decks, and like, you know, just the format itself, It's it seems like, I don't know, they might not put so many uh, legendary creatures in a set that's supposed to be primarily about playing four of a kind, four of certain cards in a deck. Yeah, um, and, and just, I was really curious, I did the math and calculation on this, there are over 40 legendary creatures in Dominaria United. That set was specifically about legendary creatures. It was, but it's but still a lot of legendary creatures. For, Forty of how many different creatures? Like, that's a the, good the, question. The, the, let, let's give a little perspective to this number. I I know you're kind of doing this on the fly, <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. But uh, so, I mean, so what information are you? So we're how many to total t- creatures were in Dominaria United, so and how of, many of them are? Okay, so out of all that, oh boy, um, it doesn't give me easy number i kind of had to calculate it but um a lot a lot more than 40 but, <laughs> okay uh we're just sitting here okay 
We'll let Ron count when Ron uh, Ron finishes counting. He'll get back to us. <laughs> we're right now. We're trusting Ron with math, which is probably not a good Seven, idea. Yeah, this is this is a bad idea, but <laughs> we'll live with it. We'll see what it comes out. It's probably going to be like what it was forty legendary creatures. I'm going to guess that there's like ninety creatures total. So that's. We'll see what Ron says, but that I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's far off that, or maybe even less than that. So it'd probably be half or more than half or something. But okay, so roughly speaking, so I uh, counted, including tokens. Admittedly, there are around 180 creatures. Okay, so let's just take away tw- 15 for tokens, roughly. So 40 out of 160-ish? Yeah, so that's that's 25% of... It's a really big ratio. 25% of the creatures that could be used in a limited environment, in standard, anything from playing from that set is going to be legendary, which means all of those could be your commander if you're playing commander, but... Great for commander players. Might not have much of an impact in standard or or if anything could have a bit of a hindrance depending on how you're playing it and we say that yet there is probably the single strongest creature in standard or a lot of other form uh limited formats um you know shieldred the apocalypse which is uh you know, a legendary creature and you still see people running four of them and the card is ungodly expensive. It's definitely not as bad as Oko, right? Not quite, but I mean, listen, this is still a very oppressive I mean, piece. It's, it's right. I'm just, I mean, in, like... in terms of oppression, sure. It's not as bad as Oko <laughs> in terms of pricing. I think it's worse than the Oko well, was. Well, at its heyday. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think Oko was, was pushing a hundred kind of, or something along those lines. I thought it was closer to like 30 something per Oko. I'm pretty sure that's why I I could be wrong, but I think that's why so many people were upset when Oko got banned because they just went out and bought like, you know, maybe it was 30 times four. So like $120 worth of Oko's and then boom, like you can't play it anymore in standard. Can we look this up? I actually kind of have something pulled up. I think at around its heyday. So around uh, January of, yeah, around right around when, um, Theros was starting to come out. Uh, its peak is at a bit over sixty-ish dollars. Okay, okay. So that would be t- so that is Shieldred pricing almost. Yeah. Yeah. Shieldred is still more expensive. Yes, Shieldred is. Man, that's a crazy card. I think part of it too is that here's another thing: Oko can't be your commander, but Shieldred can be your commander. Legendary yeah. creature. Oh, money maker. Secondary market. Probably be seeing more uh, really good cards that are legendary creatures specifically. Like, uh, well, th- there's um, a card in the mono red standard deck that you play that's mm-hmm. um, limited because uh, it's a legendary creature, right? Yeah, there's uh, actually I, I I think in my arena deck I run four of them, but I've seen a lot of people run three of them probably because it is legendary. Uh, it's uh, the Felden card from Brothers War, uh, two mana, two, two with haste, which is pretty standard in mono red decks. No um, pun intended. Ha, 
Oh my God, you're going to keep getting me with these. Yep. Um, but that's one of the two drops in that deck. And it'd be great if I could put multiple of them on the battlefield at the same time without, you know, needing some kind of special rules changing card or anything. But I've had so many times where it's like, all right, swing in with one. And now I want to cast the other one just so I have a blocker up. I can't have both. Could have done more damage. But um, it, it's kind of a, you know, a noticeable drawback to that having that card be legendary. But commander players could potentially use this two mana two two with haste as their commander. I mean, keep in mind, it could also have been just purely for balancing as well. I mean, just because there are a lot of legendary creatures who can be commanders, it's fairly obvious that not quite all of them are quite designed for commander. Most, if not all, are, but I don't, I, I wouldn't say like 100%. Yeah, there's, uh, there's definitely, like, balancing should be something that's considered, but before commander was such a big deal again we saw standard sets that were pretty fairly balanced and maybe had a few legendary permanents here and there um and you know some sets more than others like uh ones where there were more important characters and stuff like that there might be like you know closer to 10 maybe but uh like those i feel like you know they were still able to to balance or doing other things around those and and from what i hear make pretty balanced uh standard formats uh environments without needing that legendary thing but there's also other ways that they could balance it besides the legendary mm -hmm. um like super type where you know instead of it being a two mana two two you know, it's now like a three mana two one or, you know, something like they, they could change, you know, the card a little bit to make it a little more fair for how good the effect is. Yeah. But because they're designing around so many legendary creatures now that can be utilized as a setback in certain instances. Um, but yeah, like there was all this kind of crazy, you know... Eldraine and Ikoria and even some of the sets around it, Theros and Kaldheim, like Power Creep and Zendikar too had some. It's Zendikar pretty easy Rising. to talk about. Yeah, yeah. like all <laughs> of them did. But uh, one kind of interesting thing that I noticed was I think when Eldraine and when Ikoria rotated out, a lot of people kind of dropped standard because for one, all of their expensive cards that they bought or crafted on MTG Arena were now kind of useless in Standard. Um, but it was also like all of these uh, like really powerful cards kind of went away and the format maybe to some extent like became more bland or like less powerful feeling, which maybe that's how it should have always been, but you know, it was noticeable enough to people that it was like, I don't know if I want to keep playing this. So I, I would also just like to give a little context here. Um, both Eldraine and Ikoria came out like between October of 2019 and April of 2020, which... Within the same standard year. Like, no, but like there was also COVID 
from oh. like March of 2020 <laughs> kind of going forward, which put a halt to a lot of paper play for, you know, at least a year. Yeah. yeah. So that, that probably didn't help with, you know, a lot of people losing interest in standard. Right. I think at that point in time, I, I feel like they might have lost interest in standard though, because of well obviously there's like a transition but at the beginning of that period of time they may have lost interest in standard because of how uh you know you'd kind of see the same cards in the same decks just doing the same stuff and they're all getting jacked up because they're high in demand for these specific decks yeah and i don't know it's crazy i mean maybe Part of the reason why people left, as you mentioned, uh, you know, because of the price drops is kind of part of an inherent downside to the format as a whole, you know, given uh, it's probably good that these things rotated out and the format was kind of uh, made uh, really able to be more like fresh. It's like having a fresh start, you know, yeah. it's like they they swipe the land clean and now uh you get Wrath to do whatever of God, you want. Board wipe. Yeah, Wrath of God, board <laughs> wipe. You only have your lands now. And uh, yeah, we're going to keep playing. That's kind of how it felt when when that particular standard rotated, I remember. Because it was like, okay, all of these cards that were like literally taking up like probably 85% of the metagame are just gone. What are you left with now? Like what, what are you left with from Zendikar, Kaldheim, Strixhaven, and... Uh, the at that point the D and D Adventures in the Forgotten Realms set like what are you gonna put together with this and mm -hmm. there definitely is you know some excitement to that to having like a new frontier but people also realized that it was like all right the it's not the same like the, these decks aren't doing what they did before the play style has completely shifted away from how crazy pushed it was before to what we are left with. Mm -hmm. And I think they recovered over time, but definitely it was really noticeable in that moment that there was a drop off, there was a shift, and it was not the most exciting. Well, it was not exciting for a different reason than it used to be not exciting <laughs> for. So, still not exciting. Weird thing that I've just kind of put together. Um, I don't know if you guys have heard, but like, uh, I've heard from like D and D or from not D and D from the Watsi um, like design teams that it takes about three years for them to implement any change um, it, because of like how far out they're designing sets and stuff. Uh -huh. So like if you kind of notice, you know, there's Eldraine and Ikoria and then like three years of kind of meh standard. And then you have, you know, what we currently have now where it's, you know, um, Midnight Hunt, Crimson Vow, uh, Kamigawa, Nuka Penna. Three years later. Was it three years later? Let's see. 2019. They came out in 2020. Uh, 2019 to 2020. 2022. Yeah. So three-ish. Three Three-ish. Yeah. You definitely start to notice how much of a delay there is there um, to the maybe more grand design scheme of things. But um, it would be nice if those changes could be implemented sooner, especially in standard, which uh, is a format that needs as much help as it can get. 
Um, right. Yeah. I mean, now there's like little to no paper play. Everything is pretty much just shifted online. But I think one thing that we all kind of agreed on in talking about it before the episode was um, how important Kamigawa Neon Dynasty was for changing standard into a format that was more exciting. And that set was so impactful in it was such a success in every single way from commander players getting really really great new legendary creatures to uh standard players just getting all these interesting stuff cards good stuff cards that are like really good which some of them might have just gotten banned (laughs) and uh yeah and then limited play was a lot of fun too just drafting that set and the pre-release was probably my favorite pre-release i've done it's the first one i've done and it's definitely up there with one of my favorites i've done honestly everything from the flavor of the set to the world building that they had going on the art the strength of cards at every level from common uncommon rare mythic you know it was just masterfully done yeah sorry (laughs) you first one i was just gonna say they uh definitely got it right on the weeaboo fan service there too (laughs) a lot of points from a lot of players i'm sure I think that is, at least in our time in the game, like the set that we can all look to and be like, oh, this was like kind of a masterpiece. Like, yeah, this was like one that's going to be talked about for years to come and is going to be like the one that's like, okay, this is where things were kind of okay again. Like, and I mean, I think it's going to be you know, huge for such a pe- like long period of time. Like when, when are we going to get the next and, you know, Kamigawa neon dynasty to some degree still has its problems, but when are we going to get the next set like that? That was so exciting. That was so new and had all these like intricate changes and details and, but, but still like, you know, didn't change anything to the point where it was weird or not fun or unplayable, but just like kind of perfect like that. Fingers crossed the new Ixalan set coming out next year. Let's see. Yeah, because I think really the big appeal of Neon Dynasty is kind of the nostalgia factor for older players and even for newer players who've seen the older Kamigawa cards and to an extent, because it's like you get direct references to them. And really, I think it's cool that you're visiting a, a plane so many years in the future that it the plane is like fundamentally changed. And seeing that change is, is a really cool thematic thing. I think we could do a whole episode on how amazing Kamigawa Neon is. I'm just thinking about even like the enchantment cycle, the saga cycle that flips into old creatures or like references to old creatures. Like, yeah, yep. and, and now they were doing that with the new Praetors too. Um, yeah, I guess the other that's way true. Around. Huh. It's the other way around because oh, yeah. now creatures that flip into sagas. <laughs> they just they just said, "What if the other side of the Kamigawa parts <laughs> are the front side?" That's Literally. really funny. What if they put the boss monster on the front? Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even realize that. Yeah, no, I definitely see that. But again, like uh, maybe a, a concept that started in Kamigawa Neon Dynasty that then got carried over and uh, and utilized later, but. Um, you know, I, I'm even thinking of the channel lands. Some of them are very yeah. powerful, very expensive, all that. But that idea is so cool and it works really well. Um, 
you know, it's, to some extent, it's like, oh, this is just better in almost any case than a regular land because, especially with Boseju, it just being removal on a land is really good. I mean, I think those lands are legendary, though, right? They are. So in standard, you might not want to run four of them. Yeah. Unless you're using them as removal. <laughs> you know, it's funny. They're still in standard, and I'm thinking about it now. I run uh, two of them in my uh, the Sokinzan, the one that makes uh, two one ones with haste. Um, I run two of those in my standard deck, and there have been times before where it's like, perfect, turn three, got my land drop good to go all right i just need my fourth land draw second soakins on and it's like i i don't have my fourth land drop like yeah it's it's a struggle but you know i think it's a it's a feature not a bug <laughs> i guess theoretically i could tap the land for mana then play the other land and sacrifice the original one and then tap it and still end up with four mana on that turn you could i haven't thought about that before but yeah um I, I agree. In that case, it feels like more of a more of a feature because in standard, these lands are powerful enough that you need some kind of limiting factor to just like run four of them in every deck. And that limiting factor is like, how, how much do you want to press this before it's like, okay, you're missing land drops and the lands you're running you can't even use. So I think making them legendary was actually really good. Yeah, and it's flavorful. <laughs> um. After that, we got New Capenna, which I really enjoy as a standard set, as just the mechanics it introduced, um, the finishing of the Triome cycle, uh, just like that whole, you know, not as much of a win, I think, maybe, as Kamigawa Neon Dynasty. I think it's just really hard to top what is probably the best set that we've had since we've been playing Paper Magic. Yeah. Yeah, but it's hard. I, I do still really like New Capenna. I, I think. love New Capenna. I think it's a great set, strong cards throughout. Probably underrated to some degree. I, I'd say so. I like the set. I don't love it. Um, I think the 1920s theme is like kind of cool, but it's also like... I don't know. It didn't quite speak to me as much. I, like, like it felt like Neon Dynasty, like Kamigawa. Like even though it felt like it was like cyberpunk, and uh, it still felt rooted into its core and its magic. Whereas New Capenna was its own plane. So I think you know you kind of are going into this new kind of plane, and it's like okay, like this is like a totally different plane than what we normally see. And I think it had a lot of strengths. Like I really like the whole flavor of the families and how all the families are like the new shards. And, and I think that the kind of lore of how they got into power is pretty neat. Although, um, yeah, you know, like as we were saying, you know, it didn't feel like it was as much of a crazy big win as uh, Neon Dynasty was. The mechanics were fun and they were fine. I liked, I, I remember um, when we played uh, the pre-release packs, you got them in a box depending on which family you kind of wanted oh, to yeah. join, so to speak. That was so cool because then you got like a little like five or six card slot of just cards in that family right yeah and i ended up uh pulling the urabrask from my box too phyrexian text the phyrexian text urabrask of course it has to be like the six dollar uh praetor but you know (laughs) it's uh even read what he does (laughs) (laughs) it's okay it's not important it's not very good uh 
Oh God, we need to talk about that at some point. I think somewhere, somehow we already have, but, uh, yeah, you know, um, still it was, it was a very fun draft experience. And while I don't think it was quite on the level of, uh, neon dynasty, still overall a positive set. And even if it wasn't totally, totally your cup of tea, like me, I still respect it. It's very cool. A lot of great cards and overall thumbs up for me. I think standard has been shifting to a more positive design space, a more positive environment. I think we're getting a different standard. I mean, very obviously when we get to the changes they're implementing, but we're getting a different standard than we would be getting if Commander was not such a popular format or like the magic format. But we're getting a better standard than we were getting maybe when Eldraine and Ikoria were coming out. And, uh, you know, despite... Uh, it kind of being mid-range city right now with just like every deck kind of being some form of mid-range. Um, at least that, that's how it was for a while. Um, there's a lot more diversity and a lot more options, a lot more questions to be asked about like, what do you want to do? How do you want to do it? There's not always like the best card for the job like there was back then. Now it's like, Sometimes there is, sometimes there definitely is, but there are just more, more options to how you do what you want to do in standard. Yeah, for real. And I don't know. Um, yeah, it's crazy how it's changed. I mean, uh, one other thing is like now, since it isn't really played in paper anymore, I mean, I guess everyone's just moving to arena now. Yeah, I mean, that's, there might be, I mean, here we are building standard decks in paper, which is probably such a waste of money. But, <laughs> We're hipsters. Um, I know. With right? disposable income. <laughs> I think because I couldn't get these guys on Arena, I want to like play with them somehow, so... I guess spending however much money we're spending on paper decks is the way. But honestly, I'm so disappointed that there's not like paper events for standard. I would really love to go to some, especially like even smaller ones in the area. It's just very, no one does it. No one does it because it's not uh, a profitable event to run because not enough people show up to it. All right, screw it. We're moving to modern or, or <laughs> oh, pioneer. God, no. <laughs> Please not modern. I like Popper. I like my <laughs> savings account. Like That's why I like Popper. Also, Popper is a healthy metagame right you're, now. You're young and in your 20s. You don't need a savings account. <laughs> it's not like you're going to buy a house anytime soon. <laughs> I need to spend five figures on a <laughs> trading card game. But it's a set of children. <laughs> it, it's only like four figures for the <laughs> average modern deck. Uh, I guess, yeah, then we're getting into legacy with five. But, uh... Oof. But yeah, like some of the recent news we've heard about Standard and some of the changes that are going to shake the format up even more than like the popularity that Commander already has changed it up is number one, they're changing from a two-year rotation to a three-year rotation, Mm. which means all of the cards that have been in Standard for about the last two years are going to stay in it for another year with everything else that's coming out. There's going to be a bigger card pool of things to build from. Maybe that means that, you know, each set can be a little bit more focused and unique and not 
as, uh, you know, well, I, I really don't know what it means. What, what do you just guys so think? rushed and dense and everything is just kind of thrown at you, I guess. Yeah. I think the hope is to reinvigorate the paper play for standard. So it's not quite so much of like a, you're investing, you know, X amount of dollars for a playset of this card and, you know, in a year it's gone, mm-hmm. you know, n- now it's okay, cool. I'm in a- two years it's gone. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> I, I mean, that's still a lot of time. Like even if yeah. you play once a week, that's still a hundred times that you got to play with that card. Oh, yeah. I think, I think it is good. In, for that reason, and I, I like that fact because I think I was on this idea of making a standard deck like before this got announced. And now that it did get announced, like I'm like, okay, I can keep playing with these cards. Maybe they won't be the, you know, in the metagame for standard anymore, but it'll at least be a deck that I've put together and can play in tournaments in the future or if there ever are paper events we can find. But the vast majority of it has seemed to be taking place online, at least from a casual level. Um, in arena, really, that's... I know there's a... Uh, weren't you telling me about someone who like started playing Magic in arena, maybe playing standard events, and just got up to like tournament level? So I'm, it's going to kill me that I can't think of the guy's name anymore. But... Um... Yeah, I was watching the first iteration of the Pro Tour when it came back, and there was a guy who you know started playing uh, Arena on his phone, um, qualified for the Pro Tour, <laughs> and then made it to the championship match. Um, you know, in his first like year of playing Magic slash like first tournament. Oh wow it's insane like this is the kind of story that you love to hear about (laughs) the underdog yeah i think that's you know maybe reinforcing the fact that they they want to keep standard in more of a electronic environment or electronic format just to to have things like that happen where, you know, someone picks up a phone app and like, oh, like I'm good at this. Maybe I'll <laughs> spend money on it. And then, oh, I'm really good at this. Maybe I'll qualify for this thing. And then they do. Um, and, you know, more resources potentially devoted there and less devoted to physical play. Um, Sorry, I don't mean to you interrupt. Got it? Yeah, I found the guy's <laughs> name. His name is Benton Madsen. Okay. Uh, played Reed Duke in the, the final for March of Machines uh, Pro Tour event. Wow. That's amazing. But yeah, so it does seem that, you know, the direction they're heading at least, or have been heading to some extent, is to try to get it more digitally. And to, to some degree, that has been successful. To others, it's maybe not as successful. But... um it's something. I think it's a little confusing. You know, they, they kind of have, you know, um, digital play, standard play, and it's like, or, or physical play, and it's like, which one do you get into? Is it worth it to spend the 
resources on the digital. No, it's not, but <laughs> no, it, <laughs> like, it, it's not. And I think really, um, one big change, uh, that I think will help a lot of people getting into it is if, you know, when you buy a card and you get this card, you can somehow scan it into the app or something and it's yours. I mean, they, I'm sure they can figure out some kind of way. Maybe when you're opening up a pack, they're kind of like, see, they have like seeded codes. So, you know, uh, based off of whatever the little code on the whatever promo card says, you enter that in and it says, oh, we know what you pulled. You pulled this, 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 and this, and you just get it in. That would, I mean, to integrate both physical and digital, like, like that would be so good because there is kind of that divide right now. They've made like baby steps towards it. I think one of the new products they're releasing which is like some kind of starter deck is like, it has like arena codes to play those starter decks in arena, but like finally, again, finally, right. Three years later, we, we asked for it three years ago. It's like, but, uh, but that's, uh, you know, I, I think there could be more strides taken in that direction and, uh, done the right way. Not like just done kind of, you know, haphazardly. haphazardly. Um, but yeah, so standards become more of a digital format for sure. We're seeing changes happen in the fact that it's moving to a three-year format instead of a two-year format. And the other thing that we've seen super recently is a few cards get banned from standard in most likely in anticipation to the development of it moving to a three-year format. Well, I, I, they announced it moving to the three-year format, and then the bands came out like a week later. <laughs> that Or two weeks later or something. Something like, like that. The yeah. bands only came out uh, two days ago, I believe, from the from recording of this recording episode. This. Yeah. Yes. Uh, which also, I think, is really going to shake up the fact that basically every meta deck for standard is a mid-range deck yeah maybe taking out some of these staply mid-range cards will help the environment kind of move away from just that i think you'll see some evolution and growth in various directions um you know while the while it kind of resettles into a new meta it's uh and, you know, I, I know we were talking about this earlier, why maybe they banned Fable of the Mirror Breaker, Invoke Despair, Reckoner Bankbuster, and not Shieldred. I'm sure there's like a number of reasons they could give, but I, I think some part of it has to do with the fact that those are some of the earliest cards in the format like some of the oldest cards in the format Well, they were set to rotate out um, in October, right? Yeah, and Shieldred wasn't, I guess, right? Yeah, I think Shieldred's huh. in for another year. Regardless, Shieldred would have been in for another year, but they've kept kind of the newer product in and t- taken some of the older products out. And it's really just the older products that you're seeing kind of jammed into all of the decks that can. Yeah. Like Reckoner Bankbuster is one of the cards that they just banned. It's a colorless artifact, can literally be played in... Any of the decks. Any deck that wants it. It's like, what, turn two, cast it, turn three, draw cards off it. Yeah. Like, pretty much for the next few turns. Um, So that one, I think, yeah, that makes sense as a ban. I think uh, all of them do. Fable of the Mirror Breaker, Invoke Despair. Um, I wonder if 
Shieldred is more powerful than some of them. But I think the bottom line is that they've taken out pieces that were like, okay, I'm building a Rakdos deck. So I run four Fable <laughs> of the Mirror Breakers, four uh, Invoke Despairs, and four Reckoner Bankbusters. So going back through some of like the texts and stuff like that that I- I'm thinking about, I think Invoke Despair makes Shieldred a better card. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because, Probably. like, it's A, you know, like... Um, you're drawing probably at least one card off of the invoke. So now it's, you know, get rid of a bunch of stuff on your opponent's board, deal two damage to them, and you gain uh, two life plus your draw from that turn. Yeah. It's, I mean, Shieldred definitely makes, they make each other better. Those cards are really good. Um, But I think Shieldred's also just good on its own without invoke despair like sure i think shieldred it's kind of been the thing that's been happening to standard over and over again and this is maybe a a critique with the newer kind of way they've done things is like first it was uh what was the card from midnight hunt that they banned meat hook massacre meat hook massacre first it was meat hook massacre that was oppressive so they took meat hook massacre out and then it was Invoke Despair Fable of the Mirror Breaker. Now, you know, Shieldred is also on that list now, but they took those out and now it's like almost like Shieldred. So it's like. Next almost, year we're going to be talking about how, Shieldred being banned. Exactly. And then it, it, it you get the question of like, okay, if I want to build a standard deck and I'm running the color black in it, is it worth it for me to buy Shieldred right now? Because it seems like in a year from now, when that's the most oppressive card in the format and the oldest one, because Dominaria United is going to be the oldest set when the previous year rotates out, like that, that almost seems like it's being set up for a ban, you know, unless they add a bunch of like really powerful stuff in the format or just like a card that says zero mana, destroy Shieldred the Apocalypse. <laughs> destroy Target Shieldred. Yeah, <laughs> destroy Target Shieldred the Apocalypse. Um, but. I, I guess, like, you know, there's that risk right now with, like, oh, like, I want to play standard. I want to play one of the better decks right now or the, my favorite color, whatever. And, but, like, you know, if you followed the trends, like, how long is it safe? <laughs> yeah. How long do you have Shieldred for before they're like, okay, like, this card's just as powerful as the ones we just banned, but we had to wait like a little longer so that we'd get your money first. Well, I, I don't think it's that they're trying to get the money. I think it's, you know, like, all right, cool. These ultra powerful cards that are kind of homogenous with, you know, every deck that can run them does, you know, all right, you get two years of that and then we're going to kick it out of the format. You know, whereas like you, you can still play with other cards that we designed, you know, three years ago that we're going to let stay stick around. But, you know, when it becomes, you know, every deck runs these cards. Yeah, you're going to get two years of that and then we're kicking it out of the format to spice it up. We're not going to let the format stagnate for three years. And then, you know, now you're like okay cool what's the meta now because you just kicked out 85 percent of the decks yeah yeah no that makes sense i i 
I kind of I can see the the logic behind that where you know Shieldred has been around for like six months less than these other cards, and uh, that definitely makes a difference to some extent. So maybe moving forward, that's like the direction they take bans. Like, and maybe it's not even the worst direction. Just like this thing has been in the format for the longest and is the most oppressive, even though this card that we just made is equally if not more oppressive it's only been in the format for a month atraxa <laughs> <laughs> hey don't forget about rafine <laughs> yeah i wonder what uh what happens with rafine right because that's uh, there's a lot of speculation going around saying that uh, esper legends is going to be the new deck to beat Rafine is pretty good in standard, being like a three-drop legend that has the connive triggers on it. Like, yeah. but you have to be really sunk into the mana fixing. You, like, there's there's some conditions to. There are triumphs. Ah, I mean, listen. There are pain lands. There are fast lands, and there are slow lands. And there standard. are treasures. And there are treasures. Like mana fixing in standard right now, like, is not a problem. You need <laughs> yeah, to spend Atrax- money on it. Like, like Atraxa is very playable right now, which is uh, part of why it's so busted. Yeah, that's actually crazy to think about. You need four colors and then some to to cast it, and that's not a problem right now because of, like, and I like it, don't get me wrong. I prefer these kind of mana bases to, like, you know... Monocolor yeah, plus 15 tap mountains, 15 forests, or so. Yeah, like plus tap lands. Like, I do not like that mana base. So, it's cool to see. It's just, uh, yeah, color fixing isn't really the problem right now. But, um, so Rafine could be the next target because Rafine has technically been in the format longer than Shieldred. So, mm-hmm. who knows? But, um, yeah, I think. There's a lot of ways that moving forward, what's been happening could move in a positive direction, could move in a negative direction. Uh, what do you guys think, like, just off the bat? Like, is, is, is standard moving in a better direction or a worse direction? So it's hard for me to gauge just because I don't play arena and that is so much of the space that standard is being played in. Um, but based on like the what I'm seeing and the card pools and where I think the logic is coming from with some of the decisions that uh, you know they're making at uh, the rules committee is I think it's going in a positive direction. Okay. So we got one person positive. What do you think, Ron? I don't know because I don't even know if it is necessarily positive nor is it negative. I mean, I'd like to think that it's positive and that all these changes that Wizards is making is going to help the health of the format. But really, I I, I don't know. I, I really don't think that these specific changes, um, just by what they've shown us right now, are going to have too, too much impact on the format. Um, again, because if they're going to, if they were going to ban something, uh, you know, they would have just banned it. I guess the fact that, you know, they announced this whole extension date before, you know, um, 
for for letting things rotate out and then banning those three cards, you know, that might have been like, oh, okay, we understand these three cards are a problem, but since we're not rotating, we'll just go ahead and ban them right now instead of just letting them rotate out. Whereas, you know, um, it's like if, if they, let's just say, introduce like an, a crazy broken card in the next standard legal set, you know, um, are they going to wait the full cycle now or are they going to be a lot more decisive about these bands and a lot more uh, quick and responsive about them? Um, and even then, I, I don't know. It's like I'm not. These changes don't make me want to particularly play standard necessarily. They don't make me want to not play it anymore, but I'm like, cool. Um, I still don't see standard as an accessible format overall. And I don't know that a lot of commander players will still see it this way. And I think until they really start to hammer down, you know, letting you use more cards from your collection and somehow reviving paper play, maybe that just means we need a lot more cheap, staples somehow maybe just flood the market with some really good standard cards and sure we might have uh, hold on hold on let me let me finish varied busted cards like 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 if each set kind of has a stronger card but it's all within the same moderate power level but you have these powerful cards that are fun for commander fun for standard but at the same time you have other powerful answers so you can get a bit of a rock paper scissors type scenario but hey at this point it sounds like much healthier than just mid-range megalomania or just you know like a few specific cards and a few archetypes taking over like i think of popper a little bit and i feel like that format feels a little rock paper scissorsy sometimes but i think it's in a very healthy place in you know it's meta life so i don't know whether it's positive or negative i like to think it's positive but um i i don't know it's i I guess is 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 neutral an answer neutral is an answer (laughs) i'm I'm gonna say i'm 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 lukewarm one positive one took me a long time to say that yeah (laughs) we'll cut some of that out it's okay no No, it won't it's gonna stay in there we'll keep it all in my my tired (laughs) we're gonna have someone time time how long it took you to say neutral (laughs) dude i'm getting tired (laughs) so i think uh i'm probably in the same boat as you though where i kind of think it's neutral i think time will tell it's hard to tell right now what the changes are what we've seen is that standard has been better than it was when Eldrain was in it. Um, so sure. I mean, maybe that's not a, not a difficult, uh, task to make a better standard than Eldrain. I don't know. We're going back to Eldrain pretty soon. Here. I know we're about to be back in Eldrain. God, can you imagine they just reprint all the busted cards <laughs> <laughs> or are they just printing brand new busted here's, cards? Here's what I, I, my horrible prediction is that, in Eldraine, you know how we've seen in Aftermath, all of these planeswalkers become legendary creatures? Mm-hmm. I would not be surprised if we saw legendary creature Oko. Like... No Spark Oko? No Spark Oko, but like, ETB, make a food token, turn something into an elk, uh, deal 40 I mean, damage to your opponent. That'd be pretty funny, but... Stupid, sexy Oko. <laughs> I, I don't know. We'll, we'll see what they do. I'd like to think they learn from their mistake. I don't with that specific card. Yeah, I think they probably like like my, I'm thinking they might not make Oko as busted, but I feel like they can't 
ignore that like oh they're doing legendary like planeswalkers are now legendary creatures and oko was such a big hit with all the the people playing magic so what if we did a new oko but he's not so busted but he can be your commander I don't know. I could see Yay. that going. So yeah, I, I'm kind of in the same boat. I think I think we're heading in a neutral direction. Maybe you know, it, it's yet to be seen how how they handle everything. But um, you know, it could be great. Could be that these new sets coming up are like more Kamigawa Neon Dynasties. It could be these new sets coming up are more Strixhavens, which I do really like Strixhaven, but it had some duds in it. Or Eldrains, which pushed the other way, you know? Um, but yeah, I think, uh, you know, Ron also touched on another format that we have been playing almost nonstop. Not exactly nonstop, but We've a lot. We've been playing it a hell of a lot more than Standard, that's for sure. We've been playing it almost more than we play Commander recently. At this point, yeah, it's hard getting the pod to meet up. We've been playing a lot of Popper, which... Maybe we can do a future episode on that because Let's that do it. that format, I I cannot give it enough praises right now. It is so fun. It is so powerful. There's like so many varied decks in the meta. You can just build whatever you want out of commons, and then you know with a ban list, and then go and and punch someone in the face with it. Four soul rings, <laughs> and and for the price, soul rings uncommon. <laughs> and for the, it's also banned. <laughs> yes, and for the price of one shieldred, you can buy an entire top like S tier deck with a sideboard and everything. That maybe is, even two. Maybe, maybe even probably two. not two for like the top is top. It's gotten a bit more expensive than it used to be. But it's still like you know well, one. Well, have you noticed that deck. cards have just gotten more expensive than they used to be? <laughs> yeah, it's valid. It's valid. But yeah, say. like certain staples in the format. Like one thing I was comparing it to was like you know Cody and I were talking about modern decks, and it's like okay, either I can build a make a modern deck, which I can never really play unless I find a modern tournament or locally around us which is not easy to find way way easier to find modern than it is um like standard or anything else like the, uh, there's absolutely modern events okay. in our area same with pioneer which okay. is a little cheaper okay well still getting into it at uh you know 400 500 maybe a thousand if you want the flexibility to build whatever deck you want or buy every single staple ever printed in popper by every single card you could ever want and still have like half of your budget from the modern deck left over like it's it's such a good format we need to do an episode on it maybe maybe one of these next ones for sure for sure but yeah i think that's all we have today for uh standard and how uh how the future is looking for it hoping for the best of course but uh we'll see what happens as always uh Maybe by the time this episode comes out, there will be some more new changes that have just blown our minds or something like that. But uh, until then, I think we're heading out. Adios. We'll catch you next time. Hasta la bye-bye.